Well, I want to talk to everybody this morning over the next two weeks, actually. We're going to discuss the area of temptation. Uh, last week, we talked about Naaman and the widow, and that was a fun day. And this week, um, I want to talk about, the next two weeks, about temptation. In Luke chapter 11, verses 27 to 28, there's a very interesting verse. It says this, And it happened as he, Jesus, spoke these things, that a certain woman from the crowd raised her voice and said to him, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast which nursed you. But he said, more than that, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Blessed is the one who bore you and nursed you. And he said, more than that, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. So here we see a very interesting verse and an interesting story with a very interesting response. Not one that you would expect if you were in the crowd and saw Jesus hanging out with his mom and saw the relationship that was going on with his mom. And all of a sudden, someone from the crowd says, blessed is your mom. Blessed is your mom. She's so blessed. And he says, more than that, more than my mom. You would think that he'd be like, yeah, my mom. But he said, more than that, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Now, what we need to realize from this verse is that he was not devaluing his mom. Not at all, not at all. We see through the scripture and through the gospels that his mom was with him right the way to the cross. They had something going on like a mother and son do, and, and they were tight right until the cross. So Jesus was not lessening the value of his mother, but rather he was elevating the rest of humanity that was sitting there to that level. He wasn't lessening who his mom was. He was elevating the overall value of humanity that gives their life to him. See, in the beginning, we were made in the image and likeness of God. As much as we want to walk in false humility sometimes and say, oh God, I'm so unholy and all this and all that. And, you know, and we feel like we can't even pray to God because we don't feel like we walk worthy of the cause. We need to understand that we were made in the image and likeness of him. It goes so far that in the book of James, the Bible says, how do you bless me? How do you bless God and curse man who's made in the very image and likeness of God out of the same mouth? How do you do that? James poses that question. How do you bless God and then curse man who's made in his image and his likeness? You see, when God created man, he said it was very good. Now, yes, there was a fall. And yes, we all act like a bunch of foolish, foolish, foolish people all the time. Yes, we were in a fall. Yes, we do stupid things. But we need to understand that in the beginning, we were made in his image and his likeness. Matter of fact, Hebrew scholars will tell you that it was so much so, it was like God looked in the mirror and then created. We are not him, but we are in his image and his likeness. We are a creation that he said we are very good. He's a creation that he sings over. We are a creation that he loves so much that he sent his only begotten son so that we could be right with him again, again. And so Jesus was not lessening the value of his mom, but rather... He was elevating the value of humanity. And he made this very, very interesting point, and he said this, never mind which human God created, blessed is the one who hears the word of God and obeys it. That's where the blessing comes from. You see, we think we might want to bend one of the apostles that was walking at his time. And, and you know, you could just put yourself in any situation. Man, if I was one of those apostles, imagine the favor I would have on the earth or whatever it may be. And the same answers for all of that. Jesus just says, no, 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 no. Rather than that, it's just very simple. Blessed is he who hears the word of God and obeys it. So everybody sitting here this morning, guess what? We have the ability to what? 
to hear the word of God and obey it. And then we're as blessed as anybody who would have walked in his day. A matter of fact, even more so now walking in the kingdom of God as born again believers, elevated to the right hand of the father in Christ. That is our position. And so Jesus is is saying, listen, anybody who obeys the word of God and, and hears the word of God and obeys it is blessed, is empowered on the earth. I don't know about you, but I want to be empowered on the earth in the kingdom of God. I truly want to make a difference. Life is so short that I want to see the kingdom of God through me advanced. I believe that should be the prayer of everybody. Now, I don't always act like that every day, and I don't always do the things that I, the, the things that I do don't, don't always look like that, but that's my desire. My heart has been changed when I, when I got born again. My heart's been changed. I want to do things for the kingdom of God. And so he goes on to say, listen, if you just hear the word of God and do it, you're blessed. You're empowered. Luke 1, 26 to 38 says it this way, talking about his mom. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting was this. Then the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and he will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over all the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom, there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? I've not been with a man. And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age and this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God... Nothing will be impossible. Yeah. Then Mary said, get this. This is what Jesus was talking about when they said, blessed is your mom. Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be according to your word. And the angel departed to you. Another translation says, according to your word, be it unto me. So Jesus was not lessening the value of his mom in that conversation. What was he actually doing? He was saying, yes, my mom is super blessed, but not because she was born to be my mom. She's super blessed because she heard the word of God and obeyed it. See what's going on here? The Bible always interprets the Bible. And so blessed was his mom because she heard the word of God and obeyed it. She did. She'd heard the word of God. The Holy Spirit came upon her and she was the only one in the scripture that became pregnant, who was a virgin, that the spirit of God impregnated. And so God is no respecter of persons. That's what Jesus was saying in that circle when they said, blessed is your mom. He was just saying, listen, God is no respecter of persons. If you obey the word of God, if you hear the word of God and obey it, it doesn't matter who you are, where you came from. That's why when Jesus had all his his, his apostles and he picked his disciples, that was a motley crew. Like it was a crew that they were messed up. Two of them were called the sons of thunder. You know why? Because that's how they acted. They would go into cities and they come back one time and Jesus said, go into the city and heal the sick and do all this stuff. And they came back and they said they wouldn't receive us. You know what they said to Jesus? Rain fire from heaven and kill them all. 
These are like the soft little apostles that we think, right, who go around and just bless people. No, these two that we're talking about right there were tough fishermen, man. They are having hooks and nets and everything caught. And they're like, they're tough and grumble. They're, his crew was motley, man. They were, they were a motley crew. He went from fishermen to tax collectors. And, and tax collectors back then, like nobody wanted to be with a tax collector. They were thieving, lying, and they were brutal to take the taxes the way they did it. A matter of fact, when Jesus sat down with tax collectors, all the godly people said, how is it that Jesus sits down with a tax collector? They're like wondering what he's doing hanging around this, the tax collectors. Why? Because they weren't liked and they certainly weren't godly. But I look at that and I think, that is so awesome because I can look like a pretty motley crew myself sometimes. I certainly can. But I think Jesus still is using me and using this group here this morning and looking around here, not all of you look so pretty either, right? But what's the only thing? What's the only thing we have to do? Hear the word of God and obey it. Hear the word of God and obey it. Why? Because us plus God is the majority, always. It doesn't matter what's coming against us, what's trial, what tribulation's coming against us. It doesn't matter. Us plus God is always the majority. We are all on an even playing ground. We get to hear the word of God and we get to obey it. We just need to be a respecter of the word of God, which is him himself. You can't separate him from his word. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. So when we receive his word, we receive him. When we listen to his word, we listen to him. When we obey his word, we obey him. Proverbs 9.10 says this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So who wants to be wise in this place? I do. You know what the beginning of wisdom is? The fear of God. The fear of God. Now, it's not the fear of God like, you know, like we're scared to talk to him. I just talked about that earlier. We shouldn't be because he's made us righteous in his sight. It's not that kind of fear. It's not that I'm scared of God. Fear is simply that you reverence something more than something else. So the fear of God means that we reverence God. Like even take a, take a, a big snake that is like uh, completely, what's the, most, what's the most venomous snake in all the world? Jonathan, do you know that? You know what it is? Black mamba, what is it? Yeah, and so if that snake's coming and starting to crawl towards you, you're probably going to have some fear of that snake you're going to get out of the way, right? But all it is is that you're understanding that that snake has the ability to affect your life. Now, it's in a negative way. But with God, it's the same thing. We just have a, a, a belief. We have, so we have a faith in that snake that it could harm us. In the same way as in the opposite, we have faith in God that he can change our lives in any direction he so desires. Right? So fear and faith are really kind of the same thing, just at opposite ends of the spectrum. A fear of a snake is just faith in that snake. Right? And the fear of God is just faith in God, God's ability so when he says fear the Lord, it just means reverence him, that he is the most high, that there is nothing above him. Same with his word. We need to fear his word. The beginning of wisdom is the fear of his word, the reverence of his word. To do what his word says is the beginning of wisdom. So when we walk in life and we hear his word and we don't obey it, you know what that makes us? It's the opposite of wisdom. And the Proverbs talks about it almost every 10 Proverbs. It calls you a fool. And I don't want to be a fool. I know I act very foolish at times when I don't, Walk in the word of God. Psalm 111 verse 10 says it very similarly. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all those who do his commandments. His praise endures forever. So the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And that's just really simple. It's when we walk out in life, we just 
desire to do what he wants us to do. When we walk through life, we look for what he says in his word, and then we just choose to do what he says in his word. Now, we don't always make it, and we, don't, and we fail lots of times, but the beginning of wisdom is just to understand that, that God is above everything, so if he gives us his word and tells us how to live, we should just do that. Even if it's hard, we should just do it. Why? Because he's the smartest one. And the beginning of wisdom for us is just to hear that word, believe it, and to do it, to obey it, to walk it out. And that's where the struggle of faith comes in. That's all faith is, is hearing his word and doing it, even though it may look weird to us, look silly to us, even though our flesh may say, don't dare do that. We look at the word of God and we follow it. And that is the beginning of wisdom. And that is how we walk by faith. And the Bible says that the just shall live by faith. The ones who have been justified, the ones who are born again, us here this morning, the Bible says we're to, to live by faith and to walk by faith. The just shall live by faith. It's interesting, actually, that word live by faith. If, if you um, look at the definition of the word live in the original language, it says to breathe and move. It basically says to exist. So the just should exist by faith, should breathe by faith. It simply means that everything we do in life should be by faith. Everything we do, everything we say, everything we think. And that's possible, you know. That doesn't mean we always do it. But it's possible that everything we do, we begin to weigh against God and the word of God. And that's living by faith. Would God want me to do this? What does the word say about this? You know, I'm about to punch somebody. What does the scripture say about this, right? I'm screaming at somebody in my car when no one else is around, even though they cut me off and I'm acting like a fool. What does the word say about this? I open that fridge again. <gasps> what does the word say about this when I'm not even hungry? <laughs> right? Right? So, the first commandment says, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Same thing, it just means that. It means everything we do, he gets first place. Not government, not school, not pop culture, God. God. And there's going to be times where those things line up with each other, and there's going to be times when they don't. And I'm not saying to go out and be a rebel with everything. I'm saying is when you start to move in a direction that is opposite the Word of God, you at least need to initiate a conversation to God about it. About it. And see what the Word of God has to say. It. Sometimes we need counsel through that stuff. Sometimes life's tricky. But what's not tricky, God is always number one. Always. Always. And that's the beginning of wisdom. Ecclesiastes 12, 13, and 14 says this, Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is man's all. We can just leave it right there. <laughs> Let us hear the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is man's all. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. So here's a guy, King Solomon, who was another guy who... Many people know his name, and he was one of the most famous people that ever walked the earth. Richest man that ever walked the earth, King Solomon. And he had money to do with whatever he wanted to do. And so the book of Ecclesiastes is best basically about that, about a guy who had too much power and too much money, and he explained what he did with his power and money. And he basically said, listen, I tried to do everything. Do everything. The guy had like 700 wives. I can't handle one. <laughs> Anyways, I'm glad I have the one. Um, and so I'm just, just kidding. 700! So, all the power and all the money he wanted. 
He had all the kingdoms, all the horses, everything, all the wine, all the booze, all the play he wanted to. And in this book, he shares about it. He says, listen, I had all the money to get all the women I wanted. He says, I had all the money to buy all the gold and silver I ever wanted. I had all the chariots. I had all the horses. I had everything. I played everything. I had, I had the power and the money to do anything I wanted, and I just about did it all, he said. And he said, you know what it was like? It was like chasing the wind, he says. He says he kept on trying to get himself fulfilled with something of, of, of earthly matters and something of the flesh. And he had all the money and power to get to the farthest point that any human being could do on the earth to get that satisfaction out of the earth. And he went as far as he could. And at the end of it all, he said it was like chasing the wind. He could never be satisfied. And then he concluded his book with this again. Now, in this context, read this. Let us hear the conclusion of this whole thing, he says. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is man's all. At the end of the day, the only thing that brings satisfaction, no matter what's trying to stop us from doing it, the only thing that brings satisfaction to someone who belongs to God is to fear him and to do his ways. To follow him is the only thing that matters at the end of the day. This whole existence on the earth, the only thing that matters is that we keep his commandments, walking obviously in the New Testament, walking in the commandment of love and all the laws he's put on our hearts and walking according to the word of God for this is man's all, humanity's all. That's the only thing that matters. The only thing that matters. So that's the beginning of wisdom is to fear the Lord, believing him alone and his word. And that's it. That's it. I don't know if any of you can remember when you got saved, when you gave your life to Christ. I can. It was a long time ago now, 94, 1994. But I remember, like, it was radical. It was radical. I was not living for God at all. I always believed there was a God. I always was one of those people that, you know, I wasn't that foolish. Like the Bible says, you know, only a fool says in his heart there is no God. You know, I would look at the sky and I would understand that there was a God. And I knew that Jesus probably had something to do with this thing. And so just growing up and, and, you know, looking back, obviously it came from people sowing seed in my life that helped me think that way. Um, but I wasn't that far gone, but I did not look like I was living for God. Not at all. But when I got saved, everything like that I did necessarily didn't stop immediately, but it, I wanted to stop it all immediately. Does that make sense? Like when I gave my life to Christ, it, I, the Bible says old things pass away and behold, all things become new, that you're a new creation. It happened. It was brand new. It was like someone turned a light on the inside of me, which was God coming into my life. The light of the world came into my life, lit me up. I had a different heart. And from that moment forward, I would struggle with things, but I never wanted to be that old man again. And in those early days, I was like radical because I just didn't know any different. It was like almost like people in religion had to slow me down, you know? And, and back, you know, I would just like, I, 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 I'm just, I was, my wife thought I was nuts. She was my girlfriend at the time, but and they were a bunch of backslidden Christians that I had to get back to the Lord after I came to Christ. <laughs> like, you're saved? <laughs> Anyways, um, so, uh, Nana's right there, it's funny. Um, so anyways, when I got saved, I just like, just, I was going to do anything for Christ. But that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Now, obviously, I had to somehow get into this, into live in this world and find my way through it as a Christian should. But it was so wonderful in the beginning that I just thought I would just do, I would have done anything. Just, just 
because it was me and him. And just, you know, I may not do some of the things, even if I had the opportunity again, but I would love to go back to that pure spot again where it's just me and him. That nothing else matters, you know? And of course, we're going to get there one day. Anyway, so that is the beginning of wisdom. It's just you and him is the beginning of wisdom. Is that it's just you and him. Whatever he says, whatever his word says, I'm not going to fight him on it. You know, as crazy as it looks, as crazy as it sounds, or as impossible as it sounds, I'm just going to believe him. Isn't that cool? Now, as I started to walk my life out a little bit, you know, you start to get resistance. Like, I just thought everybody was going to believe about Jesus when I started talking. I was just like, hey, you heard about Jesus? I thought everybody was just going to come to Christ, and I was going to have the whole lower mainland saved in a couple weeks. Then you realize, you know, it doesn't always go that way. But it doesn't change the fact that we're still led by him and should do what he says. As a matter of fact, it's even more so. Now we need to figure out how to navigate it. Navigate it so that we can bring people to Christ and navigate this life. And all of a sudden, the things that I struggled with before I got saved, some of that was starting to come back at me. And I'm like, hey, this isn't supposed to happen. I'm saved now. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says you're still in this world. You're just not of it. You're still going to have the temptation. You're still going to have things coming at you. You're still going to be faced with, with symptoms of sickness and, and, and feelings of things that you don't want to feel and anger and all this stuff's going to start coming back at you. But now you belong to him. And sometimes it's even a little bit worse in your head because now you don't want to do it. And those things coming at you are becoming even harder because you don't want to do it. Does anybody know that struggle? Paul talked about it in the Bible. It's like, why am I doing the things I don't want to do? Why? And not doing the things I should do. So there's this conflict that happens. And then you have temptation coming into your life, back into your life. But the Bible teaches us about this temptation. We're going to talk about this over the next couple of days. I'm just going to start it briefly. We're not going to be too much longer here. But the Bible talks about this temptation that comes back into our lives. And the first thing that we need to understand is that we are to walk by faith and not by sight. We're to walk by faith and not by feelings. We're living in a, in a time right now that, as long as I've been alive anyways, well, you know, maybe I've just noticed it more these days, but everything's based on feelings. You know, maybe it always was, I don't know. But everything is so based on feelings. But one of the things that we need to understand when we're walking by faith is that feelings were never designed to lead us, ever. Scripturally, feelings are not designed to lead us. Those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. Not those who are led by feelings. Those who are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons and the daughters of God. So we're not to be led by feelings. We're to be led by what? We're to be led by the Spirit of God. That's walking by faith, being led by the Spirit of God, by the Word of God and by His Spirit. Those are the sons of God, not by feelings. When we do things by feelings, we can never trust in that. But feelings were designed to follow our decisions. They were not designed for us to make our decisions from the feelings, to lead our decisions. Feelings are designed to follow our decisions. They weren't designed to lead our decisions. And you'll find that out as you walk by faith, and I'm sure many of you have many times. When you make a decision for God, sometimes there's none of the feelings. But as you start to walk, because it's the word of God and because it's the truth and because even feelings have to come in line with the word of God, eventually those feelings just match the decision that we've made following God. And that's what the whole walk of faith is about. That's simply what it is. 
Feelings say, do this. And the word of God says, do this. And I choose to do this. That's walking by faith in its simplicity. Right? Because feelings will take you places that you do not want to go. And feelings will leave you with a ton of regret in life. Now, I have regret on feelings all the time. You know how many times I hit that buy now on Amazon? <laughs> now I've gotten better. But that's just a small little simple, simple thing. Now you need to back up because how fast can feelings get you down that line, right? Or, or say you, can't, you don't have the finance to pay off a credit card, but you want something so bad. Bam, you feel, I just want that. I feel like I want that. And then you get it in and then you got to spend how long paying that thing off later? Right? Feelings will get us into trouble. Hormones will get us into trouble, and those are feelings, right? And I don't even want to start asking for testimonies here today because I guarantee a lot of people in this place today already got into trouble because of their hormones, right? That's why marriage and stuff is so important, right? We don't marry. This is going to sound horrible. You know you don't marry for love. It's not biblical. You marry for destiny and for future. That's why you marry. You marry. We're commanded to love our spouse. We're commanded to love. We don't marry for love. God commands us to love our spouse. You know? But the problem is a lot of times people are getting married not even for love or destiny. It's because of hormones. It's butterflies, right? We get too far down the road and it's like, holy smokes, and we got to sort it all out. And you know what? God's in that grace too. I'm not saying that. God never leaves us, forsakes us. He's so wonderful no matter where we are on this journey, but he does give us wisdom ahead of time. And a matter of fact, the book of Proverbs is so funny. It talks about the beginning of wisdom and all that. And then the book of Proverbs, there's this, all these chapters and, and it's wisdom is crying out in the street. And you know what wisdom is crying out? It's really funny. In the book of Proverbs, you should read it. It's an amazing book. You should read it all the time. It's the book of wisdom. But it says that wisdom cries out in the street. And you know what it says? Hey, stupid. That's what it says. Hey, stupid. How long are you going to be so stupid? Some translations say simple. Hey, simple. How long are you going to be so simple? And it says that wisdom is there for anybody who wants to take it. And it says for those who don't, wisdom later then mocks them. Hey, stupid, should listen to me. And I know God loves us and he's probably not going to call us that names too many times, but I can't tell you how many times that I've done something and then I just know the word of God didn't want me to go that direction and I can hear the word going, hey, simple, I told you. I told you, I told you. But feelings leave us with a ton of regret. Fine, hormones, food, anger. Man, anger is a big one. How long do we end up in regret when we lose our temper? That's why James 1.19, I always say it's the, if we could get that one verse down, relationships and marriages would just be perfect. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. That's not that easy though especially when you're right all the time. <laughs> Just kidding. But that's how I feel in the moment. That's what gets us into trouble. So you don't want to be quick to listen and you don't want to be slow to speak and you don't want to slow, be slow to get mad because you're right. All right? And feelings will call to you. They will call to you. Like I said, my refrigerator calls to me. Trent, you don't need to be hungry. You know how comforting I am? Right? Big bucket of ice cream. Yeah, I know. Genesis 3, 1 through 7. Oh, I'm going a little long. I'll be done here real quick. Genesis 3. Oh, should we stop? No, let's, let's get this. Let's get this in. 
Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. Now here serpent is, is it could be a literal serpent that uh, Satan had possessed, or it could be just metaphorically of this spirit. It's, but anyways, Eve and the spirit are having a conversation. And so the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the servant, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden. But of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that in that day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and the tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. So here we see the original fall take place, but just this whole thing going on again. It's about the feelings pulling it. They saw how good the fruit was to eat. But the Bible says, blessed are those who obey the word of God, to hear the word of God and obey it. Now, the first little thing we're going to learn here about temptation is in the beginning, God told Adam and Eve, do not eat of that tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Do not eat of that tree. But when they got into conversation with the devil, the devil said, did he surely not say to eat it? And Eve says, he told us that we should not eat it or touch it or touch it. Blessed are those who hear the word of God and obey it. So the devil said, you shall not eat of it. She says, he said, we shall not eat of it nor touch it. But did you know that God never told Eve not to touch that tree? Never told him not to touch that tree. He said, don't eat it. See, not only is it bad to not obey the word of God, but we can't add anything to the word of God either. And do you know how much religion does that? It's like, it's, we add that. Well, if you're going to be free there, then you can't do this, 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 and this. And we start adding things, and we do that to our kids, and we do that to the people around us, and we're trying to keep them safe, right? Like she was trying to keep herself, herself said, God said, don't eat it. She's like, I shouldn't even touch it. You told me not to touch it. No, he didn't say don't touch it. He said, don't eat it. And so the moment we start to add things to the word of God, it's just as harmful. Because if God didn't say it, he didn't say it. My point today, let's get my points down. The beginning of wisdom is what? The fear of God. He's first. We listen to him. We obey him. That's the walk of faith. And we're living in this world, and we live in this world until, for a time being until he closes this thing up, and we're going to have temptation in life. And we're going to learn about that temptation. And we're going to understand that temptation will come. You cannot escape temptation. You can escape a certain amount of it, but you can't escape it all. But God does promise us that whatever temptations that we get, he will provide a way out. And we're going to learn how to get out of that. And that was kind of the first point today, how to get out of that. It's don't add anything to God and don't take away anything from God. Just God and just be with God and he will provide that. But the first lesson is you and him, me and him, me and him, just you and him, just me and him. That's the beginning of wisdom is that what God says, we believe it and we walk it out. And we're going to fail. But he's going to take us from glory to glory, from faith unto faith. And I believe everybody in this room, if we take note of this, everybody in here I know is struggling with something. We're in this world. We're not to where we want to be. Otherwise, you'd have been scooped up like Enoch and Elijah by now. 
We're not. We are struggling. We're struggling. I'm not saying that they were perfect either. I'm just saying if we are perfect, we might as well get out of here. But we're struggling, and I guarantee you that as we walk through this together, myself included, we're going to see the things that have been hanging on too long in our lives. Some of that's going to start to fall away. It's going to start to fall away by just simply adjusting our thought process, simply obeying the Word of God. Does that make sense? Father, I thank you for today. We give ourselves to you, and you are number one in our lives. You are number one in the name of Jesus. You are number one. You are number one. We belong to you, and you are our God. We have no one else before us, you and you alone. Father, help us to walk our lives out in the fullness of wisdom. As we take on these next couple of weeks, God, I trust that we will be transformed more into the image of your son than we were in the last two weeks. That we will be more free walking this earth in a greater reality of freedom. And there's things that have been plaguing us. God, we trust in the name of Jesus will be gone. In Jesus' name, amen.